Hey, it's almost 1 Corinthians time. I encourage you, read ahead. Uh, if you're with the Redemption Church watching this concurrently, uh, remember that uh, it's about that time of year. I've got some 365 devotion books, largely written for, for young people, but they're available, I think, on christianbooks.com and on Amazon. Uh, but what I do every year is I've got my two markers, okay? One is my jet ski. The other one is my scuba gear. With my jet ski, I read through the whole Bible in a year. With my scuba gear, I dive deep. So when you read through the Bible, you get the broader context. You realize what you're diving into, what we at the Redemption Church, like which is about to be 1 Corinthians, uh, you're going to see how 1 Corinthians refers to other texts throughout the canon of Scripture. And then with your deep dive in your church, in our devotions, and in, and in our, our sermons, where we deep dive is where we really savor. But it's uh, with, with your jet ski, you just kind of go through, and what I'll do is I'll highlight texts, or I'll leave notes uh, on my online Bibles, where I can go back and I can kind of draw connections. Sometimes you might be able to tell where my jet ski is throughout the year. If, I'm, <laughs> if I start making a whole lot of Joshua references while we're in 1 Corinthians, you can bet like, okay, yeah, his jet ski made it to Joshua. So I recommend going through the Bible each year and then uh, moving fast. It's sometimes hard because you want to go back and you want to dig deep, but it's good to have that broader survey knowledge of scripture, read through the Bible each year. You can do it chronologically. My dad's a big fan of that. And then you also move slower with Jesse Gamble Ministries content with uh, the Redemption Church. Let's go back to Luke and let's continue. And, and the, the, the passages that follow the Christmas story as we close out the year. This is Luke chapter two, beginning in verse 51. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. So that's Jesus. That's like 12-year-old Jesus who was sticking around the synagogue after the Passover festival. And he's asking the leaders questions. They're all, uh, uh, everybody's amazed at this kid. Mary and Joseph are mad at him. Son, why have you treated, like this? treated us like this? We've been anxiously looking for you. And then he says, Don't you, didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? And the text records father with a capital F, referring to God the Father. Now they go down, uh, then he, he goes with them back to Nazareth. Nazareth was an unremarkable place. In fact, some of the critiques around Jesus were like, could anything good come out of Nazareth? But Mary is keeping track of all of this. She's remembering what Gabriel said to her. She's remembering what Simeon prophesied over her. She's remembering, remembering Anna's statements. She's remembering this moment. Remember what Simeon said, a sword will pierce your own soul. So Mary is taking stock of everything that's happening. And so she's not necessarily shocked when it all goes down, but she is heartbroken. And in that same heart, she's storing up this stuff. So Jesus was obedient to them. That's verse 51. That's Jesus, the son of God, who now evidently is aware. Okay, as the preteen, he's aware that he is the son of God. But he's obedient to Joseph and Mary. All right, that makes sense because there's a commandment to obey your father and mother, to honor your father and mother. And of course, Jesus the, way, the very word of God in flesh, even at 12 years old, would embody and personify and abide by this commandment to honor your father and mother. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. So he's physically growing and in favor with God and with people. So then Luke's gospel is going to jump ahead to 
uh, the ministry of John the Baptist, all right, where we saw his story, his prophesied birth and his birth, and we saw Zechariah give the Benedictus, and then he goes off into the wilderness. That's where he's going to emerge. So it's like he lives in the wilderness for like 30 years before his ministry really begins. He starts baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins, just as Zechariah foretold in the Benedictus. And uh, that, in the meantime, both John the Baptist and Jesus are physically growing in stature, but they're also growing in favor with God and with man. These years are, are, are critical. The ministry years wouldn't begin until they were 30. And so it's, it's believed that the ministry of Jesus uh, takes place over the course of about three years. But in the meantime, God was preparing them. God was at work in them. God expects things of our young people. The disciples themselves were roughly the same age as some of the people in our student ministry today. So in student ministry, my philosophy has always been to give expository teaching and to have high expectations for them. I've been criticized by some of my colleagues, whom I respect, for this approach, but I've yet to see it fail. I've yet to see it fail. It bears fruit. Our students, some of our students are taking calculus. And then meanwhile, uh, uh, I used to complain that like church curriculum would give them veggie tales. And I, I would complain like, God, there's no demanding expository curricula for teenagers out there. And you know, if you complain enough about something, God will put you to work on it. That's exactly what he did. He sent me to Lifeway and I began writing expository curricula originally for students. And God worked mighty things through this ministry. And as a youth pastor for 14 years, like I taught students at a really high level, but it's not that it's that high because some of those same kids are going to school and they're learning derivatives. Okay, like they're, they're learning constitutional law. They're reading Karl Marx. Like they're being taught critical race theory, they're being taught secularism, they're being taught secular humanism, they're being, they're being taught at a high level at school. I believe that what they're taught in church needs to be at least commensurate to that, if not greater. So that we shape worldview as our teenagers grow in stature, may they also grow in favor with God and with others. So set a high bar for the teenagers in your life. Expect much from them. I do. And I've never been disappointed by teenagers. I've, they've never let me down. They've never failed to grasp the biblical concepts that are out there. And even if they don't understand them yet, they'll go back and they'll answer questions or they'll meet me at the altar afterwards and they'll strive unto it. And they won't always live up to the standards of holiness. They're going to slip and fall and they're going to stumble into temptation. But then even their repentance stories become fodder for testimonies of, of reconciliation and redemption and restoration. It's beautiful to behold. I've never been let down by teenagers. Set a high bar. May the teenagers of the Redemption Church grow in favor with God as they grow in stature. They are on the front lines, catching some heat that you and I didn't catch when we were their age. May our students be some of our strongest theologians, because they're also at the forefront of one of the most fertile mission fields. The majority of people who make a decision for Christ do so around the age of 18 and before, which means that they are on the front lines, meeting and ministering to people who are more likely to come to Christ at that age than ever any other time in their lives. The older we get, Statistically speaking, the less likely people are to come to Christ. Set a high bar, expect much from our teenagers. I know that I do. That's why the Redemption Church in perpetuity, the plan is for me to be at least the teaching pastor for the student ministry 
in perpetuity. So there's never a change from student ministry to now some other pastor. I expect much from them. I set a high bar for them. And I am blown away by the students of the Redemption Church. If you have teenagers in your life who are not a part of the Redemption Church, bring them Thursdays, 6 p.m. at my house. I'm not going to give my address on YouTube. You got to reach out to us at redemptionwashington.com for that. I'll see you here.